Rafer, I have a question for you. All right, shoot. Did you ever realize that you're my hero? Am I, Kristen? You're everything I would like to be. <laughs> Did you know I can fly higher than an eagle because you? Because of me? You're the wind beneath my wings. Did Thanks, you know that? Kristen. Thanks so much. Yeah, I just wanted to let you know that. Yeah. And, and you know... <laughs> you make me feel like doing the neutron dance. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is not about dancing. It's about flying. Sorry. Because you have somebody on your side. Ah. Uh, Maybe it's a dragon. Oh, yes. Maybe it's your best friend who's also your partner, not in, a, in crime, but partner in law. In an undercover sting operation. Yes. Yeah. I get is it. That, is that a terrible way to open this. Maybe that's, that's a, a terrible way to open it, but I love it. Do you? Oh, good. <laughs> I'm glad. Can we sing now? Do you ever know that you're my movie? And everything I would like to see. I can get higher in a theater. Because you are the film beneath my feet. You know, Kristen, it's just like the movies we're about to review this week. Yes! About best friends, friendships, relationships. We're going to talk about How to Train Your Dragon 2, a sequel to the DreamWorks animated hit about a boy and his dragon. We're also going to talk about 22 Jump Street, starring Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum uh, as partners in the aforementioned undercover sting operation. (laughs) That's a movie that's been getting a lot of negative press, by the way, for what people are saying is uh, a homophobic streak throughout the entire film. And then, of course, Jonah Hill uh, uttered his gay slur recently and went on Jimmy Fallon to apologize for it. We're going to have a guest reviewer, though, to help us review 22 Jump Street. Eric Sasson, who is the LGBT columnist for the Wall Street Journal, he writes Control-Alt. He's going to have a reaction that you might not expect. All of that and more coming up. First, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, producer for The Takeaway, and this is Movie Date. Rafer, can you please explain how to train your dragon to to me? Well, we saw how it was done in the first film. Uh, Hiccup, a young Viking, uh, voiced by Jay Baruchel, was uh, sort of a skinny Viking. He wasn't as uh, blustery and beefy and murderous as his father, (laughs) Stoic, uh, played by Gerard Butler. Uh, Instead of killing dragons, he befriends one, a, a little black night fury called Toothless. And the two of them become sort of boy and his dog, Boy and his horse, it's a little bit Black Beauty, a little bit Benji. They're um, like best friends. They're best friends. They always have each other's backs. Exactly. And Hiccup winds up changing the minds of the Viking villagers and convincing them that dragons are friends. In this sequel, he finds out that he is not the only person who has a gift for dragon whispering. It's not every day you find out your mother is some kind of crazy, feral, vigilante dragon lady. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm not boring. Right? That's Hiccup discovering that his mother, who he hasn't seen since he was a baby, is still alive, and that she has a special way with dragons as well. That's right. And she has the voice of Kate Blanchett. Yes, she does. The wonderful Kate Blanchett, who always does dragon movies, doesn't she? She does a lot of different things. Does kinds she do a lot of dragon movies? She did all those Lord of the Rings things. Oh, I guess that's yeah, right. Yeah. You know, she's a dragon lady. Well, now, what did you think of this, Kristen? I know you were kind of 
you liked the first one, but you weren't super impressed by it? Yeah, well, I feel like the first one just felt like it skewed so male. You have, like, one female character who has about six lines in the whole yeah. movie. and that's Astrid, not, uh, yeah. uh, voiced by uh, America Ferreira. Yeah, and I, I love America Ferreira, but how does how a whole population of Vikings only have, like, one female? And right. How did they procreate? How did they continue the species? <laughs> that's a good question. I don't understand that. How does that work? <laughs> this time around, they tried to include more female lines, another female character, and so on. But also, they kind of hit me in that same place as the Lord of the Rings movies, as the Hobbit movies and so mm. on, which I'm just not a huge fan of those movies. I right. feel like it's a quest, and it's fighting, it's a quest, and it's barely getting away from something, it's a chase scene, and they don't really appeal to me that much. That being said, I think that these movies do have a little bit of a heart yes. that you don't always see in kids' movies, and you don't even see in the Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> yeah, where not there, a lot of heart in the Lord of the Rings yeah, movies, to where, me. where there actually is some tenderness there, and there's moments of connection, and I have to say I do like those better than most kids' movies. It doesn't grab me the same way that like Frozen does. And it also, I will say this, they, they, these dragon movies seem a little too violent for little kids. They, do, they are fairly violent, and I was surprised um, at the ending. I don't want to give too much away, although you, you will find out in the sequel, of course, but I was really surprised by the ending of the first film. It ends with an injury, let's say, that is really real. And that has a real emotional component to it that sort of just made the whole movie make sense to me. That that ending of that first movie, I really got a, a, a chill up the back of my neck. I really I, – I, I had one of those heart-swelling kind of moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it, it made such perfect sense with the story. And it was so brave and so daring for a kid's story to do that. And I feel like this movie does it as well. I think there's a there's a middle act that is pretty heavy – a lot of tears and and pretty scary, but it's important and it really matters. And that development has to be in there. I feel like it's these darker moments and these and these serious emotions in these movies that make them so much better than all the other stuff that DreamWorks usually puts out. Um, I think the animation is really beautiful. Uh, again, Roger Deakins is a visual consultant on it. He's the, the dragons are pretty. The dragons are pretty. I think the sky sequences, all the cloud sequences are really lovely. Um, I feel like you can kind of feel Deakins' hand in there somewhere. Um, but I, but I really mostly the one thing that keeps coming to my mind is now that we don't have Harry Potter, there are all these franchises that keep trying, you know, uh, uh, not just Divergent and Hunger Games, which are kind of their own thing, but the Mortal Instruments and the Narnia movies and the Percy Jackson movies. And I feel like the Dragon movies are really the closest thing to take over that, that Harry Potter void. So I, I thought it was a a terrific date. Mm, I can tell. I can tell you. (laughs) Did I make my case strong enough? And you, but you say kind of okay. I think, you know, better than most kids' movies. I'm yeah. just not – I'm not one of the critics out there like you. Most critics seem to just be so bowled over by these dragon movies. I think they're fine. Hmm. They're, they're never going to end up on my top ten list, though, of the year, you know? They may not for me either. Yeah. It, 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 and, it, and you're right. It's not like Frozen. Um, it's not, it doesn't have quite the same appeal to me. Um, but I think I can see why kids love it. And I, 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 I think they're great. So what we're, we're kind of, I'm saying great. You're saying good. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Good All date. Right. Not great. Good date. Fine. Like if <laughs> okay. I had, if I had kids and they said, I want to see this mommy, I'd be like, right on. Let's go see it. It's fine. It's, it's not a despicable me too situation. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's for sure. Let's move on to 22 Jump Street. So this is a movie about best friends, again, who have each other's backs. But this time around, it's not a dragon and a boy. It's 
two men who are in their 30s who are pretending to be freshmen in college. That's right. <laughs> Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum, uh, they're reprising their roles from 21 Jump Street. And uh, they had to move to 22 Jump Street because uh, the building that used to hold their facility, 21 Jump Street, they got kicked out of. So they're now across the street at 22 Jump Street. Right. So in this movie, once again, they're trying to find some bad guys uh, this time who are distributing a drug called Wi-Fi. Uh, work hard, yeah. Play hard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And in order to find these people, they have to go live in a dormitory, pretend to be college students. And, um, of course, they're going to fall into different social camps. And Channing Tatum becomes kind of the star of the football scene. And uh, Jonah Hill, he kind of just becomes a loser who hangs out with slam poetry people sometimes yeah. and maybe loves a little too much with people who'd rather just do hookups with him. And mm-hmm. um, He follows him come with the art crowd. Yeah, he just doesn't really quite know what his place is in this new world. And Channing Tatum knows what his place is. I don't know. At the end of the day, you just kind of want something that's just a little deeper, really. Yeah, yeah deeper. Jinx, buy me a coat. Oh, snap, man. We're still saying the same thing. This is amazing. Carrots. That's crazy. We have that brother connection too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You ready? Yep. Paper clips. Bananas. I don't know. Words. Shoes. Boom! Now, amongst all these hijinks of, you know, falling into the right crowd or the wrong crowd and finding the bad guys are also a lot of jokes that you were uncomfortable with. Is that right, Rafer? Um, a lot of this uh, sort of straight slash gay humor, uh, sort of the signature of the bromance genre, I guess, it's wearing a little thin to me. It feels it feels like sort of having it both ways. You know, we're going to we're going to make a gay joke, but it's not really a gay joke because we're straight. And then, of course, somewhere else later on in the movie, there always comes some little nod to political correctness. We saw that in the first in the first 21 Jump Street when Channing Tatum accidentally punches a kid and then makes a joke about the gay music he's listening to and then realizes that the kid he punched was gay, but that's not why he punched him. And then all of a sudden he's the politically incorrect you know, jerk on the campus and everyone's horrified by his behavior. There are all these kind of little sort of uh, winks and nods. I'm getting a little tired of it, let's mm. say. Well, I loved the first 21 Jump Street. As did I. And uh, this time around, I, I actually really enjoyed this too. I'm not going to play all my cards quite yet. But to help us uh, just mull over this question about how the humor works in these movies, the gay humor or the bromance humor, however you want to put it, we are being joined by the wonderful Eric Sasson. He writes the Control-Alt column for the Wall Street Journal. It's an LGBT column. And we're so thrilled to have you with us today, Eric. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. What do you think about 22 Jump Street? I thought it was a pretty good date. Um, I had a really good time watching it. I thought it was funny. I thought it did a lot of uh, really clever things about sequels and uh, really playing up how bad they usually are. And um, I think there's like great chemistry between uh, Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum, so um, I enjoyed myself. I think uh, Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum definitely have really good chemistry. I think that's one of the great things that uh, that made the first film such a hit. It was so unexpected. You know, you know, Jonah Hill is this kind of slovenly short guy and Channing Tatum is this, you know, magical male model type. Um, and they really, they work really well together. One of the things that struck me about this movie, as with a lot of bromances, is that the movie is, in some ways, it's kind of one long gay joke. And I, And sometimes I think that's kind of funny. 
Sometimes I don't, but I feel like the whole shtick of the movie, with a lot of movies, like, uh, you know, even something like uh, I Love You, Man, the whole shtick of the movie is, look, it's two straight guys who are acting like a gay couple, but we know they're not. Now, does that strike you as funny or offensive or tired, or do you appreciate that kind of, uh, that kind of uh, sort of uh, frisson, I guess, between these, these ideas, or what? Well... You know, I, I don't actually know if it is one long gay joke to me. I mean, I think that what it is is that we're still kind of new uh, to the idea that straight men can have, like, sort of, like, loving uh, relationships where they actually share their feelings with one another. So I think that, like, you know, just as a society, we're not used to this yet, And even though I guess it has been around, you know, Jeff Apatow has been making movies like this for quite a while. So um, I, I, I kind of see it more as, like, the evolution of straight men as being more just open and, you know, sharing their feelings with one another. So it, it is, even though when they do take it, obviously, much further, it does seem uh, a bit like a gay joke, but it doesn't really strike me as a gay joke. So I certainly wasn't offended by it. Um, for me, it's certainly a lot better than uh, the way you know, even in the 80s and the 90s, the way straight men would, would, would always act uncomfortable around each other whenever anything that seemed like real emotion was, was being created between them in a relationship. So I think that this is probably a, um, a step in the right direction. But Eric, they do definitely play it for laughs whenever, for example, you have Channing Tatum and his new best friend, the football star, the blonde guy, lifting weights and grunting in a way that sounds as though they're having sex, and they're playing that for laughs. Or when Channing Tatum is reaching up into the shorts of Jonah Hill, trying to find a grenade that's planted there, well, that's still my dick. Yep, that's still my dick. That's still my dick. Really? That's your dick, too? Yep, that's still my dick. Yeah. Um, So does that bother you at all, that those are being played for laughs? No, because it's a comedy. Um, (laughs) I I mean, not to... Not to be so simplistic about it, but at the I mean, it, that, I mean, the movie is a comedy, so I think that playing those kind of things for laughs, um, it is sort of funny. I mean, I, I don't actually, I don't, I don't think um, there's anything wrong with um, straight men being a little bit uncomfortable touching each other and that being played for laughs, really, because I don't think it's it's meant as any, uh, uh, you know, barb against the gay community at all. It's just sort of well. These men are touching each other, and uh, straight men don't actually like to touch each other. How did you react to the the whole news cycle of Jonah Hill uh, hurling this epithet at a paparazzo and then uh, making what seemed to me to be a fairly sincere apology on the Jimmy Fallon show? Um, you know, in some ways that struck me as kind of the same thing that these movies are doing. They, get, they kind of get to crack that joke and then kind of apologize for it afterwards. But what did you what did you make of that whole of that whole thing? It, it, it was it was very surprising to me, given Jonah Hill's age, the generation he came from. I was very surprised by that. But how about you? Well, I mean, I think there's, that's a, a huge difference between his comment, which he definitely needed to apologize for, where he used a slur. Uh, the movie is is certainly not using any slurs uh, in it, and um, I did think his apology was sincere. I do think that the whole, you know, the one thing that may, that is a little bit more bothersome is the whole bet thing between them and the way they discuss that on, you know, in interviews. Channing Tatum told Jonah Hill before the first movie uh, came out that it was going to do really well, and Jonah Hill told him, well, if the first movie makes more than $35 million opening weekend, then I will kiss the tip of your penis through, through the underwear. Okay, not, 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 and they've been playing up how that's been, um, 
that hasn't been called <laughs> yet. <laughs> actually made a few yet because it didn't make $36 million opening weekend, apparently. Uh-huh. So they do talk about that. Um, and the thing is, is like, I don't know exactly know if it's necessarily their fault because every, some, every single interviewer is bringing this up. So they're going to have to discuss it because I guess that's just the way our, our media is. So I don't really think uh, it's um, the movie uh, is the problem. But occasionally the, the way that they, they talk about the movie might be a little bit problematic. Personally, uh, you know, um, and I feel kind of ridiculous now saying this as a as a straight man. I found the gay jokes a little offensive, <laughs> but I think also what I found uh, kind of tiresome about it were were all the inside jokes about how sequels always suck and how they're so expensive and it costs so much to break large props and you know jokes about casting and who's going to play this part and who's going to play that part. That stuff wore thin on me. To me, I thought this was actually a pretty bad date, and I loved the first movie. <sighs> I would say not a great date. Kristen? I am in shock. You liked really? it? Oh, I loved it. Wow. I thought it was a laugh riot. I was laughing and laughing and laughing at the dumbest of jokes. Yes, when when Channing Tatum and his new football best friend are lifting weights, I was one of the people laughing my head off. I There's was, some funny stuff. Yeah, there, I agree. Were, there were points where I was really snorting. I wasn't just laughing. I was snort laughing. So it's a snort-worthy date for you, Kristen. Oh, yeah. I totally enjoyed this date. I'd go on a third, fourth, fifth date with this. I'd totally do it again. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's, I think it's fascinating in a movie like this how the relationship between the men is, is so outshadowing any of the relationships between the women. You know, and and that that becomes the central romances in the movie. It's really about how how Channing Tatum is sort of cheating on Jonah Hill with the, the football player. So, I mean, this is, you know, this is the, the, the place where we're in, in in 2014 when it comes to like, you know, buddy comedies. Um, and I think that that is at least is a, is a bit better than guys pretending like, oh, God, I, I touched you or, and getting all freaked out about it as it was in earlier movies, uh, you know, for me, that's, I, I appreciate that a little bit more. So this is a movie that you enjoyed enough to see a sequel to it. Do you want to see a 23 Jump Street, Eric? Uh, yeah, I mean, mostly because it's funny. And uh, I, you know, I wonder what they're going to do in terms of like, how bad, if, if the second one is usually bad, then the third one can get it. I mean, I'm thinking of X-Men. I'm sorry if I, for those X-Men fans, but the third X-Men is terrible. Um, <laughs> and, uh, very often the third movies, if, uh, you know, that's when things, and even Return of the Jedi, not, not the greatest of the, uh, <laughs> the original uh, Agreed. Star Wars. Agreed. Eric Sasson, thank you so much for being here. Eric is the columnist behind Control-Alt on the Wall Street Journal. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. What seems to be the trouble? Can I confess something? I'm just trying to tell you about my feelings. He's been depressed. Help! Is it time for some movie therapy, Rafer? Let's do this. All right, let's get on the couch. All right. A few weeks ago, we reviewed a movie called Mom's Night Out. And listeners, you might recall that's a movie um, about moms taking a night off. And it's a faith-based movie, and let's just not get into it. It was awful. Let's not. Let's not. But Dylan Black from Montana wrote to us saying, ugh. Mom's Night Out. Gee, let me guess. Another movie about a bunch of clumsy, bumbling, goofy, incompetent, confused, blundering, butterfinger, dumb old dads trying desperately not to utterly destroy their home by baking a cake on the barbecue grill with gasoline used as lighter fluid while the confident, concerned mother reluctantly treats herself to a much-needed break from, quote, doing it all. Right? Ugh. All right. So, so Dylan's had it with this kind of movie. Dylan... Sounds like he needs some movie therapy, and it's Father's Day this weekend. What better time to deal with Dylan's 
issue with how dads are portrayed in the movies. Let's talk about this, Rafer. It's a wonderfully timed question, and thank you very much, Dylan, for writing in, and I could not agree more. As a father of two, I do bumble, I do destroy things, (laughs) but I am trying my hardest, and I think I generally do a pretty good job of keeping the children alive and fed uh, and Alive. I and I, I'm just I just want to I want a little credit for that as as I imagine do many dads around the world and it's and the thing is I think we are beginning to see less and less of that character um, I, I feel like I see fewer and fewer of these kinds of movies with with the with the the goofy bumbling dad because I feel like dads more and more are taking a role in actually raising the family. You've got two working parents often, so the you know everything's kind of split between the two. Um, so Kristen and I have come up with six recommendations for you. I'm going to go first with a movie that I've gotten a lot of flack for liking, and that's Delivery Man. Ah, uh, yes. You're the biological father of 533 children. What? It is impossible to be the father of 533 children. It is impossible to be the father of four children. 2013 with Vince Vaughn. If you remember, it's the one where he's a sperm donor in his youth, and then it turns out that he has 500-something kids who all want to know uh, his identity and have him be in their lives. It's very sappy, of course, and the comedy is not as sharp as it could be, but it's got a lot of heart, a lot of very sweet moments, and there's a very nice speech that comes at the end of the film where Vince Vaughn stands up to his girlfriend, to his girlfriend who is pregnant and who is basically threatening to take the baby away because he's such a screw-up, and he makes a case for himself as a father and as for all fathers, in a way, to say, I am a father, I have rights, I want a part in this child's life, I'm an okay guy. And it's a really nice speech. And I almost feel like that little speech, it's very short, kind of sold me on the film. So I would recommend that to you. The first pick I'm going to throw out there is Chef Chu from Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. This is one of Ang Lee's movies from 20 years ago. It was from 1994. And it's about a man. He's a famous chef. He has three crazy daughters. One of them is just like all business all the time. One of them is just kind of a reckless teenager. Then you have one who's kind of shy, who's in between. And he's a single dad. They're all between the ages of like 16 and, you know, 30. And he's just kind of trying to be a good dad without interfering with their lives too much, letting them go their own paths, let them make mistakes, and then supporting them no matter what they do. And that includes an unplanned pregnancy. That includes a few other things. I don't want to give them away. But he's so kind, and he accepts them on their own terms. And that makes such a great dad in the movies, especially dads with daughters, which I think frequently in the movies the dads are just like, I don't understand. What? You have a period? As in, as in Blended, which we just saw with Adam Sandler. Yeah, it's right? like, what's a bra? And, 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 this is, <laughs> and, and this is not that dad. He's just like, you girls are all different people. You're not me. You're not each other. Let's just do what we can here to love and support each other. And there's something so beautiful and touching about that. And then, in turn, about them loving and accepting him with all the changes he's going through. So I highly recommend that. All right. Very nice. My next pick is Life is Beautiful from 1997. Oh, just crying thinking I know, about it. Ah! I know. Me too. Uh, with Roberto Benigni. He's the uh, father of a boy. Uh, they are Jewish, and they are shipped off to a concentration camp during World War II. Roberto Benigni does everything he can to somehow, in the most horrible most horrible of situations to somehow preserve the innocence and the magic of his uh, son's childhood and does a great job of it. And um, 
you know, the ending is uh, not for those of you that uh, that want to keep your eyes dry. Oh, it's uh, it's 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 pretty uh, it's pr- it's pretty brutal on the heartstrings. Um, but I think it's a wonderful movie, and I think it it says a lot about fatherhood and what what the lengths that a father will go to. It's uh, it's a it's a great film. My next pick is uh, one of the best dads of all time, Brian Mills from the Taken series. Yes, of course. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. He's got a particular set of skills. (laughs) And he will use them if you take his daughter. And... That's all I have to say about that. I, I don't even need to say anything else you, about Brian Mills. You That's don't. It. Liam Neeson as Brian Mills. Boy, that God. It's just he's unstoppable. He's nonstop is what he is. What about nonstop? No. Nonstop. Darling, the one and only Liam Neeson. I'm going to down and I can talk about Liam Neeson. <laughs> That's an excellent pick. That's an excellent pick. It almost puts my last pick to shame. Um, I chose the American Pie films, particularly the first one, but there are a few gems along that series as well. And, of course, it's Eugene Levy who plays the father. The the too much information, perhaps oversharing, a little too invasive, perhaps, in his son's private life. This is Hustler, and this is a much more exotic magazine. Now, they have decided to focus more on the... uh, pubic uh, region, uh, the whole groin area. Uh-huh. Look at the expression on her face. You see that? See what she's doing? She's kind of looking right into your eyes, saying, hey, big boy. You can tell throughout the movie that Jason Biggs, uh, as the son, is very uncomfortable, but also, despite it all, deeply grateful for this advice and this support. And I think he's, uh, I think Eugene Levy is uh, one, of the, one of the great movie dads. Oh, he, he is very sweet in that movie. Um, the whole series of American Pie movies. Ah, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I yeah, agree. But, 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 but he is a bright spot in those movies. He is. And my final pick also comes from a comedy, Juno. You're looking a little morose, honey. What's eating you? Just like losing my faith with humanity. Well, can you narrow that down for me? Now, you might recall in this movie, Juno is a teenage girl who finds herself unexpectedly pregnant. And, you know, there's a lot of ways that dads react in the movies when uh, they find out that their daughters are pregnant. And in this one, he just is supportive and lets her be who she is, make her decision. And then, uh, I hope this isn't a spoiler, but then in the very end, this always gets me just talking about I'm getting kind of verklempt here. He, (laughs) He says, you know... Juno, someday you're going to have a baby again, and it's going to be on your terms. Mm-hmm. And they're in the hospital room, and she's crying, and she's parting ways with her child that she's placing for adoption. And he's just saying, it's okay. This isn't the last time we're going to be here, and it's going to be wonderful next time. It's not going to be painful next time. That's J.K. Simmons, and his character's name is Mac McGruff, and I just love him. I'm about to cry. I <laughs> McGruff. Love I'd I forgotten him. about that. <laughs> oh, I love him so much. Uh, so those are our picks, and we want to remind all the listeners out there, you can write us or call us anytime for movie therapy. Our phone number is 5717 Movies. And uh, you can also visit us at facebook.com slash movie date podcast. Before we go, let's do our quick trivia question. Yes, indeed. Uh, all right. So last week we asked, what did we ask, Christian? Last week we said that we, last week we reminded listeners that there are many Coppolas out in the world. Some of them use the last name Coppola, some of them don't. We played the following clip. What's the secret, Max? The secret? 
I think you just gotta find something you love to do and then do it for the rest of your life. Sharp little guy. He's one of the worst students we've got. We asked you to name that Coppola and that movie, and here is the correct answer. Hey, movie date. This is Ramsey Boyd calling from Wilmington, North Carolina. I don't know if uh, I'm too late to answer the question, but I know which Coppola it is, I think. I could have Googled this, but I'm just going to wing it. I believe it is uh, Jason Schwartzman in the movie Rushmore, part of that big Coppola family. Hope I'm right. Thank you, guys. Love the show. Yes, Ramsey Boyd. Ramsey. Nice, nice going. Nice Great name. Job. Nice thanks name, for, Ramsey. <laughs> thanks so much for calling in, <laughs> Ramsey. And uh, this week, our trivia question has to do with dragons. In honor of How to Train Your Dragon 2, we're going to play a clip of a dragon movie. Mm, you're a good cook, Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> I look in your eyes and you What movie is that? Do you know, Rafer? I do know. Oh! If you can name that movie, give us a call. 5717-MOVIES. Every week we randomly select one answer, and hopefully it will be you. Thank you. I can't believe you. You do? I love you too. This has been Movie Day with Kristen Meinzer and Rafer Guzman. More at thetakeaway.org.